Okay. Greetings, listeners, and welcome to the fifth official Charles City Press podcast. This is Mitchell Hansen here, your arts and entertainment reporter. And surrounding the table, uh, beginning with my left, is... Introduce yourself. State your name. Amy Heller, outdoor edu- and education reporter. Brian Kromberg, sports editor. Uh, Serena Reinhardt, uh, don't know my title. Staff writer. <laughs> Staff writer. City Beats at Park and Rec. I do City, everything. City Beats Park. Yeah, that's right. Um, Paper organizer. I guess. I guess yes. maybe we should have rehearsed this. This, part. Uh, this is Chris Baldus, I'm the editor of uh, the Charles City Press. And uh, welcome, podcast listeners. Mitchell? Yes. Where should we start? That's an excellent question. I, I, I do have a suggestion. Okay. What is your favorite vegetable? Well. Is it kalababi? It's not kalababi. <laughs> in fact, that's probably in the bottom 40 vegetables, and I don't even know if I've had 40 vegetables there, in my lifetime. There, well, now, now I'm... Whatever you say really doesn't matter because now we have done it. We We've have done the joke. It's over. We've done the joke. So we but can the funny thing is, it's worth asking, where does Kalababi rank on Amy's favorite vegetables? Kalababi does not exist, but Kalarabi is Kalarabi. quite tasty. And, and rank, ranking-wise? It's an eight. An eight? Is it round? Wow. Is it a round thing? It's a root thing. It's a, it's a root bulb. Thing. It's a bulb. It's a bulb, which is it's a bulb starts with root. the same letter as B, which starts with ball... Which brings us right to the Tennis Hall of Fame okay. attempt. Twisted logic, I get it. We, we do. Okay. <laughs> tell us, you're writing about this for the Friday edition. Uh, tell us a little bit about what's going on with this. Uh... Well, Brian Parrott's kind of the brainstorm behind this, and he's had quite the extensive uh, involvement with uh, tennis. He's organized uh, several successful Davis Cups events. Davis Cup is the uh, team version of tennis, kind of similar to the uh, Ryder Cup, which is going on this weekend in Europe. And there's an, an, the International Tennis Hall of Fame is out in Newport, uh, Rhode Island, but there's never been a formal effort to get an American Tennis Hall of Fame. The international one recognizes not just American, but international players. And now they're trying to have a central location for to recognize the greats of American tennis, the history of the game, there had been talk at one time, he was telling me about doing it in Chicago, and another talk about doing it at the uh, Billie Jean King National Tennis Center in Flushing Meadows, New York, but those efforts have just never materialized. Now he's working with the power players in the game of tennis to uh, bring it to, to Charles City. And and the link to bringing it to Charles City. I mean, goes to an, a former cattle feedlot just out of town, more fondly as the All-Iowa Lawn Tennis Club, Mark Hughesgrass court outside his house just out of town. Which this summer got featured in the New York Times, of all places. It's been featured in the New York Times, it's been featured on the Tennis Channel, it's been featured in Tennis Magazine. Oh, it's been featured in the Charles City Press. Heavily promoted <laughs> the most in important. Charles City Press. Um, but the idea is to, uh, to use that as... Where tennis patrons can they can come out, they can play on the grass court, and they can come visit the tennis hall of fame, learn about the great players of the game, the John McEnroe's, the uh, Billie Jean Kings, Arthur Ashe, Althea Gibson, Jimmy Connors. And 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 where may I ask, would they put a tennis hall of fame? That, Do we need another cattle feedlot? No, no. The uh, location is to be determined yet. Yeah, they're still working on the exact building it would be located in. 
Okay. He, he has some hopes for like the uh, for the middle school gym to put a couple indoor courts in there so play, players can play year-round. Because right now, once it gets uh, about another two weeks and the uh, weather starts to turn, you really can't play at Sportsman's Park anymore. Mm. Unless you want to try and play through some snow, but, you know. So here we have another story that has turned circle right into the Charles City Middle School. Yes. There's and a lot of that's, possibilities there. There is I tremendous have... possibility. You could re, re keep the gym. Indoor tennis courts would be a phenomenal use for the uh, for the gym. He's got some ideas for the uh, wrestling room. It would involve batting cages, a golf simulator, a tennis hitting simulator. Oh, it'd be great for the local economy, having tennis enthusiasts coming in. and It would be like uh, what what baseball is to Cooperstown. And, uh, you know, you think of baseball and you think of where the Hall of Fame is. It's in the middle of a small town in upstate New York. It's not like it's in New York or Chicago or Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. Anybody here watch oh, tennis? Do not watch, I do but watch. I do play occasionally. I do okay. watch tennis. It's a great I, sport to watch. I watch just often enough to hear about a dozen... <laughs> <laughs> and, then I and they're switch. working to get rid of that. Oh, did you oh, see the? Grunting? That's a good yeah. part. That's the best part. Yeah. <laughs> did you see? The, there was a Letterman bit a little while ago that they had the uh, the winner of the U.S. Cup, U.S. Open, okay. uh, reading yep. the top tens and says things were going through my head as I was winning. And one of them was, does the grunt come before the hit or after the hit? <laughs> <laughs> I love I love Letterman. We're too bad he's yeah. retiring. You know or, what? Instead of the tennis hall of fame, we should have the pickleball hall of fame. Because we have oh, so many pickleball enthusiasts. Now we're, we're launching into pickleball. Which actually, a question I, <laughs> I wanted to bring to the group quick was, since the following four games are all extraordinarily similar, which one would you rather play? Pickleball, tennis, badminton, ping pong. Tennis. Mm, ping pong. No <sighs> running involved. <laughs> Just like a swift back and forth. Have you ever watched international ping pong? Yeah, but yeah, I'm, before, I'm not playing no, against not the playing Koreans. international. We're <laughs> Have you watched it in the Olympics? Those guys are in shape. They're Next, fit to do that. Next week we'll be sending Serena on uh, on a, a mission to North Korea to see how ping pong is played in the concentration camps. Amy. Yes. You did a story this week about uh, Charles City teachers going up to tour Minneapolis schools. This all ties into them getting are quickly going to a new school. But there were some other aspects of that that you wanted to talk about. It's really cool. There were six teachers. They went to two schools in Minneapolis. And my first thought was, okay, and this is going to compare to Charles City. How? I mean, we're talking about the Twin Cities. But actually, the cities, the schools, serviced the same number of kids. They had the same number of free and reduced lunch, lunch rate. So everything that way was all very, very similar. The demographics were similar. So the schools were comparable to what we're hoping to have here in Charles City. We're talking about the specific school yes. building. Yes, they're... And their students and their teachers. Okay. It was the Fine Arts Integrated Research School and the School of Education Environment something. Yeah. I forget the acronyms. But what they were talking about, which I thought was interesting, is school sponsorships. Like when I think of sponsorships, I think of stadiums, race cars. I don't necessarily think of a school unless it's on a college campus. But they were talking about how it was Minneapolis, how they had Target sponsored their library. And how here we live in a very science-rich community, and it would be great to have schools, whether it's community sponsorships financially or just spending time in the schools, like more community collaboration. 
mm-hmm. whether it's professional sciences or scientists coming in and co-teaching a day or giving a presentation, but mm-hmm. finding a way for kids to have a more hands-on approach to realizing how their current education is absolutely relatable to what's going on in the world outside of that building. Mm-hmm. More so. So talking about either sending the kids out to these places, not necessarily on a job shadow, but just kind of like a learning experience. Just a tour. You know? or yeah. A uh, or field trip. Yes. <laughs> but on a more personal level. I mean, we're not necessarily talking about, and it could happen this way, a guy comes in and addresses the auditorium, and that's fine, but I think... The way the teachers were talking about the collaboration they're hoping to have, it seemed much more tightly knit. So let's talk about what we know. Let's talk about journalism. Right. So if we were, if, if the journalism program at the middle school and the high school was to engage in this concept, mm-hmm. what kind of role would, say, we be playing? I think we would come in and probably give a lesson maybe on the AP style of writing things the different graphs, or I think it'd be like a writing lesson. Okay. If that's where they were in their unit. Okay. I mean, they also might ask us to come in to do citations, or... How do we do that without boring them out of their skulls? (laughs) Our natural charisma. That's, I mean, the teachers aren't going to step out and say, all right, they're yours. It would be a collaborative thing. You tell them the information, or they'll tell you their unit, you tell them what we can offer, and together you work with the teacher to develop an engaging classroom. Maybe the teacher has them pick a topic and has them all come in with a 500-word story written. And then in class, we would help them, like you do with me, every story. Put the lead in the right spot and rearrange and that sort of thing. We'd have to have a headline unit. Right, Amy? <laughs> yes. Well, we're so qualified at that. that. I don't know. If, I mean, if we, no. okay, if, I, if, if somebody was seriously wanted to teach kids journalism, we would have to be planning out a project or, you know, a, a paper every week or, uh, or a website every day. Uh, we would have to have organization meetings like what we have. Um, we'd have to have brainstorming sessions. We would have to have uh, peer reviews of uh, each other's articles. Um, and we would also have to have a... Uh, a crew of very grumpy um, copy <laughs> editors, because that's what copy editors are, um, speaking as one for years, um, you know, to there to rip apart their copy and teach them really what it means to be a journalist. So I would think in that sort of situation, if it's a journalism class lasting all semester long, what we would do as the collaborating community members is we would come in maybe five or six times throughout that semester Once at the beginning to show kind of how you set up your newspaper in the first place. A little bit into the middle to like help readjust and align stories. And then a couple more times to like help fine tune and tweak. Mm -hmm. So it wouldn't be... That's really taking the teachers back more as a facilitator and, and helping the kids along but turning it over to people who are working in the business and stuff. You know, all of all of those. And I think it's also turning into the kids to be more responsible for their education. I mean, the teacher would go through and teach them all of the basics of journalism, that their textbooks or whatever tools they use to teach that, and then we would come in and help them use whatever concept she just taught them, we would help them apply it. Okay, you're the closest to the high school, Mitchell. That is true. How would, how would this have helped you? At that point, it's kind of hard to say if, if a couple of professionals would have, would have come in and given presentations, if I really would have engaged a bit more 
perhaps. I, I, I'm not really sure. I think it would have been a really good opportunity to have my work and other students' work reviewed from a pers- professional perspective mm-hmm. as opposed to just other high schoolers. Because mm-hmm. that's basically what it was. It was very collaborative among the students, but we yeah. there wasn't a whole lot of feedback other than that's, you know, uh, literate, mm-hmm. and I can understand it. What? Turn it in. Well, that's, that's the first step in journalism. Well, I, but there's <laughs> literate. But 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 okay. As somebody who did like writing, I think having a professional in the classrooms where I didn't like the class, yeah, it would have been a lot easier. I'm sitting in my chemistry class. Why do I care that salt is NaCl2? You know, I wanted you know? I wanted so badly to do well in. Uh, I got into honors chemistry and do so badly, but mm-hmm. I just did badly. I, I had uh, a lot of trouble with that, and I don't know. Maybe had I been making stuff, you know, right. with the with, maybe that maybe that would have been better because people learn things differently. Yes, I used to trick myself and tell me it was like, okay, Amy, it's like baking. You can get through this chem class. It's like baking, and then there'd be acid, and I'd get in trouble for burning the countertop, and mm-hmm. it wasn't like baking. Are we kind of edging on apprenticeships here? Is that what they're kind of talking about? I don't know that the teachers want to go that far because they do very much enjoy teaching and want to have control of their class and the direction of their education. But I think they would just like perspectives from the community so that kids can see that what they're learning can be used in the real world. I will admit that's an important thing. When when you're in a when you're in a building for all those years and and nobody nobody ever really tells you how this is going to apply to anything, it's easy to sort of become. Uh, disenchanted with it. We do have community. This is about getting community members into the school, too. Making them a part of the school. And uh, and Ryan, you know, do you see the talent, the uh, the, the the know-how out in just the general public? Some that could come into the school and no, there's plenty maybe of people teach that something. Could come in and work with. Uh, you could have Jim Davis come in and offer a class on business and. What it's like to be in some of the bankers could go teach finance. You got, you know, the guys out at Special Medical that do a terrific job rehabbing, helping the injured athletes get back to health, you know, show, teach a unit on sport, you know, injury prevention and things like that. Well, you have given me a perfect segue into a, a, a third topic for today. Oh, no. Sheriff body cams. Yes. This doesn't. <laughs> Boy, when you say it that way, it just sounds bad. I like it. I do not like that. But but it's something that really is needed. It helps create more accountability. You know, you got these pressure cooker situations, and then all of a sudden you could have an incident happens. You have a he said, she said. Let's real quick define uh, define the uh, the body cam. For years, police have had uh, dash cams in their squad cars. This would be kind of taking that technology, squeezing it down, either putting it on the sheriff like a, or on the shoulder like a parrot, or just hang it on, on the front. It's just kind of a little cam. It records audio, video, and the one that uh, the Floyd County Sheriff is trying to get a grant for from the Floyd County Community Foundation um, also takes photos. So, still photos. So. Serena, you are saying we don't have car cameras? Yeah, that's what, isn't that what you found out? Well, that's what uh, Deputy Bartz, when he made his presentation to the county board, asking them to back this uh, grant application, he said that they 
they don't have them in, in Which the squad cars. Which is really surprising. You think every police department would have in dash cams in their I thought, cars? I thought they all did. I thought, I thought they were required to. <laughs> <laughs> nope. But, nope. And uh, and he did, you know, to their credit, the uh, the sheriff's office here and uh, through uh, Deputy Bartz, you know, did say that, hey, the situation down in Ferguson really has stepped up the uh, scrutiny of police departments. I, I give them credit for them being the ones saying, hey, <laughs> we want cameras. And they did some research, too. They brought a couple of different options. Like, they showed the spectrum and the quality of cameras. And Oh, yeah, you can go from 50 to $50 to $2,000. Yeah. I don't know, but it's the $50 camera is the little Peter Parker thing that hangs around your neck. You know, you got to push so you the button as you go. Yeah. I don't know. Excuse me, I have to stand closer. I can't take my hand off of this. And not quite picking up what you're saying. I like the notion of the camera as a parrot. Yeah. That you mentioned well, earlier. I even envisioned it shaped like a parrot. That's because it's sitting there on the Make police seem more friendly. Yes. Or like pirates. Pirate. Friendly pirate. Yeah. I like the idea of a camera. They all dress. They all dress like Johnny Depp. That could be nice. You'd never see it coming. <laughs> I'll get dreadlocks. It's it's a good thing for for the county. It provides greater accountability. It's another piece of physical evidence that can solve a case. I would have to say the body cameras aren't like brand new technology. They're slowly making their way into police forces everywhere, and cops has improved dramatically. <laughs> the TV show? Oh yeah, I love that. I know it's kind of trashy, but I really like it. Bad boys, bad boys. Well, speaking of birds and accountability, let's jump to our lieutenant governor. <laughs> the lieutenant governor came to Floyd County to squeeze uh, chickens. Squeeze. <laughs> well, she came here for two reasons. Serena, tell us a little bit about uh, the the, uh, the reason she came here before I get into her chickens. <laughs> yeah, so the lieutenant governor was here on Tuesday, and first she went to the hatchery in Rudd, and she originally met the owners um, at a contest called like Dream Big, Grow Here in Des Moines, and so she just wanted to visit and see their expansion they had, and she said she really loved the visit, and she had a really good time there. Then she came over to Charles City for the proclamation of the home base Iowa in Floyd County. And I got to uh, be the one to take the photos at the at Hoover's Hatchery, which uh, is just a great place. So if yeah, you need chickens, this is the place to go. This is pretty cool, and they're great folk. Um, so we're going through, we're going on this tour, and they're showing us uh, where they box them up. And then, thank goodness, they they went over to another place where they have these long closets or whatever. I, these whole things where, where you pull out trays of where the eggs have hatched. And so you got this uh, this fella named uh, Dan Sinning who pulls out the tray, and he's holding it there, and he held that thing for a good 10, 15 minutes. You can see in the picture on the front page of the press that his forearms are straining. Yeah, he's, he he's stood there a long time. Hobby. We give this guy a lot of credit. And the governor, the lieutenant governor, like everybody else, was thrilled to see the chickens. And so she's reaching in there, and she's picking up a chicken, and she's mugging with the chicken and everything else. And I will note, if you look at the uh, the picture on the front of the, of the the Wednesday Press, if you look just off to the right of Dan Sinning, just off of his shoulder, there's a chicken. Is it doing a photo bomb? Peeking out of, out of one of the things, just peeking at uh, the lieutenant governor and Dan. And I'm And my theory is is that... That chicken right there is just peeking, saying, please, 
don't pull us out. Please don't pull us out. Because Des Moines Register... Here, I just wanted to read this. Um, Governor K- Terry Branstad told reporters uh, Monday he used to help with castrating pigs on the farm, while Lieutenant Governor Kim Randall's boasted she knows how to skin chickens. These are too little to skin. But you grow these guys up. Look at the joy in her they face. They have infantile never... minds. They're still happy-go-lucky chicks. <laughs> They're probably not thinking dark existential thoughts just yet. No, we think However, what are these chickens destined for when they grow up? Well, these are probably layers. If they don't lay eggs, they're dinner. Set free? Yeah, they just get no, sold they're, away. Not, they're not set free. <laughs> they're born yeah. and died in captivity. Yes, we have barrel chickens running all over Floyd County. <laughs> they're set free on your dinner table. Oh. I think she said that they send out like 400,000 chicks a week. They pretty much keep the uh, Rudd Post Office in existence. <laughs> Because uh, you know they're and, and they're because of their location here in Central Area, they're able to send out the chicks all over the country, and, and, and within the two days apparently that you need to get a chick sent out. Will you be buying chicks for your kids this Easter? Oh, we've already got chicks. chicks we got these? chicks from these guys. Oh yeah, so you don't yeah. have to buy them like a million at a time. Mm-hmm. We have uh, oh about five chickens uh, left that uh, are egg layers, and they should start laying eggs pretty soon. And we have uh, one. Leghorn, which is the kind that uh, you raise to eat. And he's a very large, fat chicken that uh, I'm thinking about having dinner this weekend with him. Does he have a um, southern, I say, does he have a southern colonel accent? Oh, my. He's been, he's been crowing at midnight a lot lately, so. The bird who has a death wish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey Mitchell, will you take us out as the way that you brought us in? No, I, I can try and get us on the, on the track out of here. Um... No, never mind, I can't. Okay. How do you usually end this thing? What do you say? Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week. If you've made it this far, God bless you. <laughs> there we go. On that note, good night, everybody. Good night, down.